you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Pro Bowl voting is here and awesome Pro Bowl starts with awesome players and your vote helps decide who gets a spot on the AFC and NFC rosters. Show your love, cast your vote, and make sure your favorite players make it to the 2020 Pro Bowl. Vote today and be entered to win exclusive prizes at NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to Move the Sticks presented by AARP. DJ and Bucky with you here. Uh, Not in the same country, but uh, always together. How you doing, Buck? Man, I'm good. I can't complain. Things are good over here across the pond. Uh, the UK is shooting me well. They got the fans in London love American football, so it's been great to kind of expose them to the game from my my standpoint. All right, now tell me this. Now give me a little behind the scenes here. Are you staying like in the same place that you stayed last time? And what's what's our setup over there? What are we working with? Uh, our setup is I'm in a little flat, little condo, uh, same place, different room. Um, but it's pretty cool. DJ, if you can imagine like being a scout on the road, taking one of your trips and yeah. kind of staying at an extended stay hotel, but with sweet mm-hmm. version. So I got a kitchen, I got a big old bathroom, I got a back bedroom, I got TVs for days, I got a big old balcony that overlooks the city. So it's a pretty nice setup. Wow. That is nice, man. Yeah. I got to get a piece of this action, man. I love I love yeah. you been over there a couple times now. Uh, and I, I we were talking before we went on here. Uh, people on social media, man, they love Bucky Brooks. They love having you over there, man. So I look around oh, yeah, the NFL fun. started with a little lead, a little lead on us. But I, I've got you as like you're like my number one, uh, uh, my number one guy right now over there, just freaking preaching the move the six gospel over there. I love it. You know, DJ. Somehow we have to find a way to do some draft stuff. Um, that gets back to the UK so they can experience that. I know they're around 
the NFL guys kind of have a foothold on some of the stuff that goes on in the regular season, but we can separate ourselves by providing some content to the UK strictly on the NFL draft and some of the stuff that goes around along around that. Uh, from your lips to our boss's ears. Uh, I love it. Buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, what we're going to do on the show today, we're going to have our buddy Bruce Feldman on who, man, it's, it's, awfully kind of him to join us and really his busy season as the college uh, coaching carousel really gets underway here and Bruce has his his finger on the pulse there talk to him a little bit about Chris Peterson who uh, surprised everybody when he uh, stepped down at Washington Jimmy Lake takes over get uh, Bruce's thoughts on that whole situation as well as um, you know him being around some of these top players I want to start picking his brain a little bit on that I know he was at I believe it was at Bedlam last week uh, so we can ask him about some of the guys in that football game so looking forward to that conversation with Bruce we're going to touch on what happened in that Vikings-Seahawks game and then uh, some other topics I want to hit, including the Cincinnati Bengals and the uh, the dilemma they could have with the first overall pick. Uh, but let's start with last night, Buck. Just a big picture uh, takeaway from that win for the Seattle Seahawks. It ended up being a good football game. Yeah, it ended up being a really good football game. I, I think I came away impressed with both teams. I think both teams could be tough outs in the postseason. When I look at the Seattle Seahawks, what is standing out to me their running game is beginning to come on. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked to Brian Schottenheimer. He talked about the run game. Uh, Chris Carson, uh, Rashad Penny, both of these guys are beginning to emerge as viable options in that run game. That's going to make it more difficult for teams to hone in and slow down that run game. And then with the Minnesota Vikings, I think what you're seeing is an offense that's really beginning to come together. And I think Kirk Cousins is probably as comfortable as he has been in this offense since he got to Minnesota, the play action passing game, uh, the stuff that they're doing to really make him comfortable. He's being able to put up numbers without Adam Thielen, without the full complement of weapons consistently. Didn't have Stefan Dix for part of that game last night, but we saw him comfortable and on point. And I know he didn't win the primetime game, but if I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan or official, I feel good about the direction of this offense heading into the postseason. Want to tighten up the defense a little bit because they didn't play their best against the Seahawks. But I think both of these teams can come away from that game with some confidence. And I'm going to say this about the Vikings compared to the Packers. I think the Vikings are a better overall team than the Green Bay Packers. It may not be reflected in who Mm -hmm. wins the division, but I think if I had to pick one of the teams to face in the postseason, I think I would rather face the Packers than the Vikings. I think the Vikings are a little more balanced when it comes to both sides of the ball. Yeah, look, I agree with you on everything that you just said right there, Buck. The um, you know the fact that Kirk Cousins and it, I, it was, to me it's kind of a cheap shot because ESPN literally right after the game's over, um, they they tweeted out it's like they had this thing in drafts, right? They could not wait to send this thing out. Kirk Cousins, the worst record in Monday Night Football history, zero and eight um, in Monday Night games. Like that was literally right after the game. That was like their big takeaway. To me, it's just like it's it's kind of ridiculous, man. Like, come on, you watch that game. The Minnesota Vikings did not lose that game because of Kirk Cousins. I mean, come on, give me a mm-hmm. break. Um, it's just so as to to quote our old our former colleague Mike Mayock. It's just low hanging fruit, and it's it, to me, it's kind of it's a little insulting to your intelligence that that would be your number one takeaway coming out of that football game because um, that wasn't for me. I think he's played well all year long. Um, you know he's had better games than this one, but yeah, look, he 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 put them in this in position um, to be competitive and win a football game on a road in a very tough environment. They did not lose that game because of Kirk Cousins. They they couldn't you know they didn't get an opportunity to run the ball much. They only ran it 14 times in this game, and uh, I could have told you if that was going to be lopsided like that, and Dalvin Cook uh, gets nicked up and couldn't get him going, um, that it was going to be very tough for the Minnesota Vikings to win this football game. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately what it came down to. With Dalvin Cook, he's kind of the centerpiece of that offense. He gives them the opportunity uh, to run the ball and attack the edges in the perimeter, but also in the screen game. He's such a big part of their passing game and slowing people down with the misdirection screens and some of the things that they do. And so without him, yeah, they put a lot of the pressure on Kirk Cousins. But I think, look, you have to be encouraged by the way that he responded. Uh, Without his number one runner, he was still able to make plays and attack that defense. I feel good about it. Look, the Minnesota Vikings are going to go into the playoffs uh, with some confidence. And unless they just completely fall apart and let the L.A. Rams overtake them, uh, I think they'll be a tough out. I would not want to face them uh, in that first round, that wildcard run of the playoffs. It's really interesting when you look at it, if you look at the playoffs um, as it stands right now. Um, you've got uh, in the AFC, Baltimore, New England, 
Um, you've got Houston as a third team. You've got Kansas City at four. You've got Buffalo at five, Pittsburgh at six. I would say let's go. If we're just going to use kind of like street fight style, right, which 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 of these teams want to get in a street fight, a blood of your nose, mm. physical, um, you know, more than likely going to end up being a lower scoring, just, you know, just an ugly, nasty, physical football game. The Baltimore Ravens can play that way. The Patriots can play that way absolutely defensively, offensively. I think you'll see them start to run the ball a little better down the stretch. Um, Houston, I don't think that's really them. Kansas City, not really them. Buffalo, absolutely. Pittsburgh, absolutely. So four of the six teams in the AFC have a chance to really play at the kind of knockdown, you know, drag out, physical type football game. And you flip over to the NFC, the Saints, uh, okay, you know, I, I think that they're good in, on both lines. Uh, they've got a chance to be a physical football team. Uh, but Seattle, absolutely. Green Bay, I know they're running the ball a little bit better this year, but I would say no. Dallas, with the offensive line, I think they could go in that direction in a, in a physical street fight. San Francisco, absolutely. Minnesota, absolutely. It's not a, we're, not, we're not at a finesse game right now when you look at these teams as we go towards the postseason, Buck. No, no, no. I, I think football is kind of coming back to a little more traditional football where you have to run the ball. And it's always existed. We've talked about these teams throw the ball all over the yard the first part of the season. But the teams that really win games, even the Patriots, who have been in the Super Bowl what last three times, um, they run the ball down the stretch because it, it, it enables you to control the game. Uh, you have fewer turnovers when you lean on the running game as opposed to passing all the time. And it protects your defense. We're seeing these old school teams that are really built in, in very balanced structures, meaning uh, offensively and defensively, they can run and stop the run. Uh, they have the pass rushes, but also the interior to be able to control the line of scrimmage. And then on the outside, the guys that they have playing at, every, at the second level, they not only can cover, but they have to be solid tacklers because teams are leaving those. They're, they're really isolating those guys that are your weak tacklers. If you can't tackle in the back end, they're going to leave you unblocked and they're going to dare you to tackle these running backs and the teams that are coming on like gangbusters, the Tennessee Titans, um, you talk about the Minnesota Vikings, those teams that can run the football are really going to make it tough. And so you have to have a defense that can stop them and you have to be able to run it right back at them as well. Yeah. I think that's what we're headed towards. Um, you better put your big boy pants on once you get into the postseason. And, um, you know, I think the NFC as deep as, as we've seen it in a long time in terms of just quality teams. And, when I look at teams that I think you have a chance to win a Super Bowl in the NFC, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, you're talking about one or two teams. Uh, man, New Orleans could win a Super Bowl, Seattle, uh, Green Bay, because the quarterback could get hot. Um, you know, even though we have some questions about them overall, Buck, when you've got Aaron Rodgers, you've mm -hmm. got a chance. Uh, Dallas, a chance. I would say no. San Francisco, I would say yes. Uh, Minnesota, how about Minnesota? That's a good question for you. It, it, if Is there a chance – not just that they, you know, win a playoff game or get to a championship game. Is that a, a Super Bowl winning caliber team, what you saw last night? Um, you know, I would like to see him play better defense. I'm really disappointed in the way that Xavier Rose has played. Uh, this was a guy that Ooh, was hailed as a not good. shutdown corner. He hasn't played, I man, he hasn't played at a top level since he's gotten paid. I think it's one of those things they have to address in the offseason. But the way they play on offense, much like the San Francisco 49ers, they can control the game with their offense, and you really never have a chance to really throw at their defense. And so, yeah, I think they can be a team to make a run to the Super Bowl. Um, and if Kirk Cousins continues to play the way that he's been playing, where he's efficient, he takes care of the ball, and he plays with the kind of confidence that he's displaying, absolutely, I think you could pencil in the Minnesota Vikings as a title contender. Yeah, the more I'm, I'm thinking about it here and looking at this football team, I always say with quarterbacks in the postseason, it's, you know, consistency is kind of out the window. You don't need consistency. You need somebody to get hot for three weeks and have an extremely high ceiling. And I think that's Kirk Cousins. I mean, he's played more consistent this year. He's, he's played really well. Um, but I think he actually has a high ceiling, Buck. I think he gets on one of those hot streaks for three games. We saw it with a guy like Joe Flacco. Um, I don't see why we couldn't see the same thing from Kirk Cousins to catch fire. And you got a team that can rush the passer. I know they need to figure some things out in the back end. But with Mike Zimmer and his background, uh, I feel comfortable that they'll get that figured out. So as I kind of talk myself through it here, no, I think that is – I think they are a legitimate contender there. Um, and so that's that's a pretty deep NFC. I don't think we go quite that deep in the AFC. No, nah, the AFC is, is pretty stat. The AFC is a little disappointing, man. Like we really don't have a race. Everybody's yeah. kind of locked in. The only race that you have is between 
I mean, I guess t- Tennessee, Pittsburgh, and Indianapolis. Yeah, Baltimore, New England to see what's going to happen yeah. for the number one seed. I think that's the big race. That's Yeah, that that's it. But, like, at the bottom, like, um, you have a lot of separation in the Cleveland Browns, man. You talk about a, a disappointing outfit, just the way that they handled the Pittsburgh game. And, look, man, it, it goes even beyond doing it. Like, you lived in that division. You know what those rivalries are like, Baltimore yeah. and Pittsburgh and Cleveland and even Cincinnati. The fact that your head coach would go to the movie theater with Pittsburgh started it or whatever, like there's one thing. <laughs> I mean, like DJ, there, there's one thing to play in those division robberies, but there's another to try and kind of stir up the wasp nest in a robbery that was already yeah. intense. And I'm not saying that the T-shirt mattered, but I think it just kind of speaks to the culture that exists there. Like they still don't. Yeah. It's immature. Get the, hey man, just no let's poise. just let's just play. Like it's a. I mean, it's a rock. And I mean, it's a rough and tumble division already, man. Just don't give them any, anything to excite them. Don't poke the bear. Yeah. I, I, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about that in the recap, but it's just, to me, it, it's not, you know, I saw Rich went off on this the other day saying they didn't lose the game because of the t-shirt. I get that. Absolutely. It's not a reason for anything. All it is, is it's a, it's a little bit of a, uh, a piece of evidence of what's wrong with that building, you know, and to me, that's all that <coughs> yeah, I mean, is. It's a, it's a, it's a bigger issue than the t-shirt. It just goes to a lack of professionalism, a lack of accountability. And what happens when you don't have professional professionalism and accountability, Buck, you're a team that, that had penalties. You're a team that turns the football over at key times. Uh, you're a team uh, that gets in fights and gets players kicked out of games and suspended. That's what that shows me. That's a lack of poise. That's a lack of, of just uh, of doing things the way that they're supposed to be done man it's not that complicated no it it, it's really not dj like um everyone understands like the whole professionalism that you need to take place but look how you do anything is how you do everything and so if you're kind of loosey-goosey off the field you're gonna be loosey-goosey on the field and it's one of those things where you just want to tighten up all the details especially when you're coming down the stretch and you understand the little things matter um the browns have been disappointed because they just haven't taken care of the detail all right, let's get to this next topic before I bring our buddy Bruce Feldman on here. Um, Cincinnati Bengals, Buck, as it stands right now, won their first game the other day uh, with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's 32 years old. Um, obviously, it looked like they were moving it on from him. They were absolutely in the quarterback market. Joe Burrow makes all the sense for them. Uh, they're going to have the first overall pick unless something changes here down the stretch. It still looks good for them to finish up uh, with that number one overall pick. You've got a... Uh, you know, no question the best player in the draft is going to be Chase Young, who also plays a marquee premier position, not quarterback, but I'd put it number two on the list. Um, it's going to be a fascinating decision there for Cincinnati. And I think Andy Dalton, if he plays well down the stretch here, they can bring him back next year, Buck. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think when you look at Andy Dalton potentially coming back, if they decide to do that, you're going to get Jonah Williams, your first-round pick from this year, back healthy next year. Cordy Glenn uh, will be healthy. So you've got good tackles. You've got a quarterback that's proven he can play winning football, and you can go get a generational-type pass rusher. Um, I don't know, to kind of kick the can down the road at the quarterback position, or do you uh, do you shore that up right now with a guy like Joe Burrow? It's, it's shaping up to be a very interesting decision uh, presented to the Cincinnati Bengals. So, DJ, here's what's funny. Like, and here's the question that I would have from management talking to Zach Taylor. Why do we bench Andy Dalton in the first place? Like, why, like what, yeah. what was the rationale behind it? Was we, were we fascinated with Ryan Finley that we had to see him right then? Because the team that played the other day against the Jets, I would take that version of Andy Dalton. I would invest in Chase Young. I would get the other things. Andy Dalton is 32 years old. That is not where you kind of kick the quarterback out and send him out to pasture to fade away. I think maybe you can have another two or three year run with Andy Dalton while you're building the rest of the team up and then go and get your quarterback at that standpoint. I just don't know. And here's what I say about Joe Burrow. And it's one of the things that we'll have to talk about as we get closer to the draft. Joe Burrow has played lights out, but has Joe Burrow been a guy that we have said for the last three years was a transcendent talent that we consider him to be, the number one overall player in a draft class. I think when we're looking at the number one overall, I kind of like to look at the total body of work. And last year, Joe Burrow was not on our radar to be the number one overall. And so I'm just putting a little bit of, 
I'm going to hit the pause button a little bit before I anoint him <laughs> as the best player in this class because the one thing that I do know with Chase Young, Chase Young has been talked about for three years as a guy that could be that guy. Joe Burrow certainly has not been in that conversation like that. And I'm not saying that's right, but I do believe sometimes those guys that catch your eye early, they remain in the eye. Joe Burrow didn't catch our eye early. So I would just kind of pause before saying Joe Burrow is the slam dunk as the number one overall pick. And to me, I think this is, you know, people are going to try and frame this as the discussion um, and the decision that the Giants had, right? When we debated that all the Mm -hmm. way through the spring, you know, do they take Saquon Barkley? Do they take Sam Darnold? This is completely different because we're not talking about a running back who's got a, you know, seven, eight year shelf life um, at a position where you can find impact players all throughout the draft. Mm -hmm. Uh, we all recognize Saquon as the best player, the best talent in that draft, but it's still the running back position. Defensive end position, the way that impacts the way the game is played, the second most important position on the field, um, that's a different conversation. It absolutely is a different conversation. It's a different conversation because, one, I think you're talking about a transcendent talent. Two, you're talking about the way the game is. We, we've ranked these positions. Uh, quarterback, pass rusher, um, still offensive tackle, and then – the cornerback. Those are your primary positions. We've seen evidence, even though I'm one that's probably been a huge supporter of taking a running back in the first round as opposed to later. But like we've seen evidence of guys being taken in the second and third round being very, very productive. We've talked about one in Dalvin Cook. Um, I just believe when you have a chance to get a foundational piece um, to really help your defense go over the top, because they have some pieces in Carlos Dunlap and Sam Hubbard and some of those guys up front, you know, acting as older, but they're playing well. You talk about inserting a guy that could be potentially a difference maker, getting your team from bad to average. I think the pass rusher has a greater impact immediately than the quarterback. Cause I still think it's going to take the quarterback a little while uh, to make an impact. Yeah. And I think the other interesting thing is when you look at some of the quarterbacks we've seen um, over the last couple drafts, right. Uh, used to be, man, if you don't have the first or second pick, you're going to miss out on those guys. So, if you are a team like the Cincinnati Bengals and you're picking up their one or two, you're thinking, okay, I got to get my quarterback right now because who knows? I, I'm not, I might not be picking in the top three or four. I'm not going to get an opportunity to get the premier player. But if you look over the last couple drafts, I'm not talking about guys outside the first round, but you know, you, you look at somebody, uh, we just, I just saw Drew Locke the other day who looked good in his first start was the 42nd mm-hmm. pick. Um, you yep. look at Josh Allen was the seventh pick. Lamar Jackson, 32nd pick. Um, these are not top five picks. Pat Mahomes was the 10th pick. Deshaun Watson, the 12th pick. Um, so, you know, having to get that guy in the first, second, or third pick, we have recent evidence of, hey, you know, look, the Cincinnati Bengals, even with if they if they take Chase Young, who's the best player in the draft, they get some of these guys back healthy. More than likely, they're probably going to be picking in the top, you know, seven to twelve range. And we've mm-hmm. seen in recent history, you could get your quarterback there. So um, they, they, I don't know. They don't need I, I to think look. That if you get a player like that, you take him. Just take take Chase Young need, and don't think twice. They can they can look at the success they had with Andy Dalton, a second round pick. Um, yeah. I think if they're yep. doing that, we talked about this quarterback class. I think what you go and do using Andy Dalton as the model. Go and get someone who has played a ton of football games, uh, someone who is experienced. So when he is ready to take it over, he, he has that stuff. And I'm not saying that Ryan Finley can't be that guy. I think what they have to ask themselves, how much do they like Ryan Finley? How can he develop over the next year or two to become the quarterback? Did they throw him out there too soon? I know a lot of us on this side, make these quick judgments on a player. Look, he only played like three games. So I, I'm not ready to say that Ryan Finley yeah. can or can't play because we haven't seen him long enough. But I do know that Andy Dalton gives them an opportunity to jumpstart the rest of their team while you don't have to worry about that quarterback. Is he a top 10 quarterback? No, but he's good enough. He's a mid-level quarterback that you can win games with because they have won games with him. I think they can continue to go down that course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we, we talk about, uh, and we'll get into this in the spring as well, we had um, we talk about those 12 players you need you know, to be a championship-level team, and we kind of classified them, right? Playmakers, quarterback, two pass rushers, you know, three playmakers in the back end, you know, combined second, third level of defense. We can go back into that in the spring. But Cincinnati Bengals have a lot of empty chairs in all those spots. So it's going to take time to fill them. So if you can get, if you can get the best of the bunch that fills a chair – 
get him. And that's Chase Young. He fills that chair for them. So, uh, again, we're going to have all spring to have this debate and this discussion, Buck. But it's it's fun. It's going to be a fun one to talk about. Uh, it's going to be a great discussion to talk about. It's one of those that uh, we have to because it all comes down to your team-building model. Um, how do you believe in building your team for sustainable success? Is that, A, get the quarterback first and build around it later, or build the rest of the team, and then when you find your quarterback, drop him in and you're ready to go? Yep. Yep, and I like that uh, I, I like that thinking there, building up the team and dropping him in financially. It makes more sense as well. Um, all right, let's get to our buddy here, Bruce Feldman. Uh, who, again, is uh, the best in the business when you're talking about reporting on what's going on in the college football world, especially when it comes to coaches um, during this time of year. So uh, I had a chance to catch up with him. Here's our conversation with Bruce Feldman. All right, Buck, here he is, uh, our buddy Bruce. Bruce, uh, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time. I know this is your busy time here in the coaching carousel, and, and one of the things that's taking place as we're talking right now is, is uh, Chris Peterson's press conference. So uh, let's start there because that's a name we've always talked about as somebody to keep an eye on for the NFL, uh, potentially uh, making that switch. And now he decides to just kind of step down from the University of Washington. They promote Jimmy Lake. And uh, now the big question is what's next for Chris Peterson? What do you think? I think uh, Chris Peterson talked about getting recharged and, and rested a little bit. I, I'd be surprised if he went in the NFL. I mean, he is so so big into the development and helping kids beyond just football that I, I don't think he's wired to be an NFL coach. I don't think it gets him what he, he really is driven for. I mean, I haven't gotten to know him over the last you know six or seven years. I mean, he's a very deep thinker. He's a really interesting guy. He has a lot of interest beyond just football uh, that factor into people's lives. So, you know, he's not going to be sitting in, in some TV studio. That's not him. Uh, I think he's going to sit there and say, okay, how how do I kind of get, I don't say the passion back, but just, you know, he's a grinder. It's always a grind. I mean, more for him than almost any other coach I can think of. When we do our Friday production meetings for TV, most uh, college coaches, they get where that's coming from. And Chris Peterson, just he just wants to get to the game. And I think what he talked about today on uh, at his press conference was a little bit how he stopped enjoying the things that he knows better that he needs to enjoy. And so I think he's going to try to figure out how do I kind of get that back or maybe I don't come back. And I think he'd probably be fine if he didn't do that. You know, Bruce, I, I, I do wonder because, like, he went from Boise, and no disrespect to Boise, but Boise was a little under the radar, um, a little lower profile program. To now he's in the Pac-12. He's, he's, he's coaching at Washington. He, he, wrote, he brought them back to prominence. Do you think he could be a guy that may just be comfortable kind of coaching at, like, a mid-major level where he can just kind of really focus on coach with all, without all the fanfare? Or do you believe he just – needs a rest and then he'll take on another challenge like he had at Washington. I think it's probably, he may not come back to coach again. I mean, I, I feel like they're from, from talking to guys who are close to him at Boise, they thought he got really burned out and needed a new challenge there towards the end. They'd noticed a difference in the last two years. Cause remember, you know, it's been a while now, but there was a long time where people were like, he's never going to leave Boise because everybody assumed he would. And then eventually you started, you know, I remember talking to one specific guy who had been on his staff who, who said, this is it. He, he really need, is looking to get out. Now, he wasn't looking to go to USC because, you know, we're all in Southern California and that's more of a fishbowl and it's a different kind of job than his personality probably covets and everything. But Washington was a good fit at the time. I mean, he actually six or seven years anywhere these days in college coaching is a long time. I don't think it's coincidental that the time this came out was right when the start of coaches were going on the recruit, uh, recruiting trail. Some coaches <laughs> love that. I don't think that's Chris Peterson wants that grind right now. So I, I, you know, it would not at all surprise me if this was it for him as a college coach. I mean, he's not Urban Meyer in terms of, you know, the same kind of personality. Yeah, he's a super, you know, super competitive guy. But I just think some of the things that, he's wired for are a little different than a lot of other coaches we've seen 
Well, one thing is he's universally respected, uh, no doubt about that. I, I want to ask you about a couple other college coaches potentially making the leap because we're looking around the NFL, and we've been talking about it on, on our podcast all the time, about how it's kind of throwback football right now when you look at what the Baltimore Ravens are doing with Lamar Jackson playing with three tight ends all the time. You look at the San Francisco 49ers, what they're doing with all the tight ends and fullbacks, and, and it gets me thinking, okay, if we do the copycat thing, which we saw the McVay you know, copycat thing explode last year. So if these are the hot teams this year, I start thinking about guys like David Shaw at Stanford who has long resisted making the move to the NFL, but somebody that definitely knows how to play with multiple tight ends and fullbacks. And, and while that's kind of gotten away from the college game a little bit, the NFL has embraced it. Uh, that's one that's interesting to me. The man who he worked for, Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, seeing his brother John with the success he's having is another one uh, I would keep an eye on. Just those two guys specifically, who would you say would be more likely to take that opportunity should it present itself? Well, I mean, I would guess David Shaw. And for this reason, Jim Harbaugh, as competitive as he is, can he really live with himself if he walked away from his alma mater going 0-5 against the one opponent that really matters? I mean, not only did they lose. I mean, a couple of years ago was a close game, but they got their butts kicked yeah. the last two years. How does he walk away from that? And and I know Stanford, you know, we did the opener that Stanford had against Northwestern, which looked like it was a top 25 game and both teams stunk this year. Now, obviously, Stanford had a bunch <laughs> of bad, bad injuries, but – I, I think, you know, and David Shaw loves his situation up there from everything I've to- been told and everything I've heard from him in conversation. Um, but just, I don't see how Harbaugh could leave. If you ask me to pick one over the other, who'd be more likely to leave? I think David Shaw knows he's done a terrific job, and I think he'd be at peace with what he did there. How can Jim Harbaugh think that? You know, Bruce, in, in, in thinking about that, like David Shaw is certainly a good a good one to think about, but we've heard these other names that have come out. I know Matt Campbell just signed an extension with Iowa state on uh, the last day or so, uh, but we're hearing uh, more people warming up to Matt rule after the great job that he has done at Baylor. And then before that at temple, if you are a guy like Matt rule, who's kind of got that Baylor program up and running, it looks like they're on the verge of being uh, a major player in the big 12. Would you leave that job maybe to venture into the the NFL? Do you think he fancies himself as a college coach or does he really see himself as an NFL coach? I think he would tell you he sees himself as just a coach. I mean, when DJ started that question before about uh, Harbaugh and David Shaw, I think he used the word, uh, I don't know if he used the word throwback or old school, whatever it was. I was like, oh, here we go. We're going right on that rule because his teams are physical. (laughs) They were temple tough and all that stuff. And he instills a culture. The part where, and this is a little bit like the the Chris Peterson stuff where I'm like, he seems like a college guy is because he's really good at developing people, not just players. And I think he's one, he's 11 and one, and that's awesome. And basically he's played, his team has played one bad half of football. And that was, you know, against Oklahoma. The part that I think is goes way beyond what he's done X and O's and winning games is, I mean, that, program and that that situation that was as toxic as could be and it, i saw it a little bit when when jim grove who's a really decent man went in there as the fill-in after art Riles was run out of there and the ad was run out of there and ken Starr was run out of there and and uh jim grove with with great uh moral reputation took some 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 you know took some some shots there from people who thought he didn't always handle things or didn't say everything perfect at the podium. And then saying that to get to this, um, Matt rules always says the right thing in a time where, you know, we're all on Twitter where it's very easy to offend or say the wrong thing. Matt rule always seems to say the right thing. And that kind of guy you would think, and I'm not saying there aren't good character guys leading NFL programs, but I feel like that piece is even more critical when you're the face of a, when you're really the face of a university, and that's why, uh, yeah, he interviewed before, and I know, you know, he interviewed. I think the last two years for NFL jobs, I think there's still going to be interest, but he's done already a lot of the heavy lifting at Baylor. One of the big, the other programs in the state of Texas are on shaky ground right now. Gary Patterson and TCU have had some down years. Uh, Tom Herman just had a dud of a year where he's had to basically clean house on his staff. If I'm Matt Rule, I'm looking around at the landscape going, 
we got this thing rolling. We're in pretty good shape right now. Let me see where this is going to lead us. Uh, one more one more name on the coaching side. I want to get some of these players you've been around, Bruce, and, and we'll let you go. But Dan Mullen is one that I found interesting. We threw this out on the podcast a couple weeks ago. I can't remember if we've talked about this uh, on the phone or not. But I, I just thought the Dallas Cowboys and Dan Mullen was an interesting fit and for a variety of reasons. Obviously, the relationship with Dak Prescott can bring some of the uh, college offense in the, in the quarterback run game that Dak's plenty capable of doing. And then also, he's not a star that's going to outshine Jerry Jones, which seemed to be kind of the three criteria uh, you would need to get that job. And I just think that when you add some of those factors up, while I've not seen it anywhere, it just it, it actually makes a little sense to me. Yeah, we actually, you mentioned this to me. I remember on my after my drive back from the Bedlam game, it was like midnight and we're on the phone. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I haven't heard it either. I told some people I work with about about your theory and it makes it lines up now that's not saying i've talked to dan mullen or talked to anybody who represents him um but but in terms of that if he has a remote interest in being an nfl head coach or being on that big of a stage um man that would be tempting we're talking about a guy from new hampshire going to become the head coach of the dallas cowboys with the guy you developed as as the front of it um you know, that's an interesting one. And I don't know, you know, Dan Mullen's never been one you've heard has been like, like Ed Ogeron at LSU is is obsessed with recruiting. There are some head coaches who are that way. Most of them, or many of them, are not. I've never heard Dan Mullen fits into that category of being that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of college coaches who I think look at the NFL. And keep in mind, uh, last offseason, Dan Mullen had a really messy one with a lot of stuff and drama going on, players with sexual violence uh, allegations against them. Some of his recruiting stuff was brought up that was messy. He had a bunch of people uh, on his program that were arrested. And it's not to say that people in the NFL won't care at all about that, but those kinds of things get kind of more, become more back burner issues than they are if you're, if you're at, at the University of Florida. So even that, I think, kind of, makes me think I don't want to say there's something there but because again I don't know that there's anything there but on that part it is more intriguing to hear it you know Bruce I, I kind of want to flip from coaches to just get your perspective on players because you've been around a lot of these guys and I am fascinated in the sudden ascension of Joe Burrow um, people are talking about him potentially being the number one overall pick in the draft and and all those things but I need to get a clear understanding of the backstory at Ohio State and even the first year at LSU because he didn't win the starting job at Ohio State and he was okay last year. Look, you know him better than anybody else. Why should I believe that he's more than just a one-year wonder? I think because knowing the guys at LSU who, who work with him every day, the biggest things is his intangibles are off the charts. Here's Here's what I think – Stats are ridiculously impressive, obviously, and what he's done in big games, on third downs, all those, whatever you want to call like advanced stats, he he is as good as you're going to get. But the part that the the people who work with him really love is how smart he is. Obviously, he's a coach's kid. His dad, Jimmy, is a longtime defensive coordinator in the MAC. But so you have a really, really smart kid. Uh, you have a kid who's way more athletic than I think people realize. I mean, he makes a lot of plays with his leg, extending plays. He's a super tough kid. You go back to uh, New Year's Day last year. They're playing UCF. He throws a pick six, and he gets absolutely obliterated on a blindside block on the way down. I remember watching that game thinking, man, LSU's about to get run out of this game because there's a gap between him and Miles Brennan, the backup. And he not only like, you know, the 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 energy for UCF at that point was we're about to take down a big SEC program. What happens next? Joe Burrow goes back into the lineup in a, in a situation where you would have thought he's going to he's going to be done for the day. And I don't he probably completed 90 percent of his pass from that. And then they end up lighting up UCF and winning the game. And I think from that moment on, if anybody questioned who was the difference maker at LSU, they got their answer. I mean, he's a super tough kid. He's very smart, and he's he's really athletic. And I think they, you know, credit to Ogeron. He made a smart hire finding Joe Brady when nobody else knew who this guy was on the Saints staff. And he was a big believer from day one, and I think that relationship has been 
has been really critical. Uh, and I think what you see with that team is there's a couple other guys who I'm sure are now on your radar. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a little running back yep. who is a three-star guy. Honestly, he might be better than the two guys who LSU just put into the NFL in terms of being an all-around back, selfless kid, tough as could be. And you see that. You see that with Justin Jefferson, a two-star recruit. And I think all these guys kind of have followed Joe Burrow's lead. And I think that's what – I'm not saying he's a can't-miss guy because it's not like he has a huge arm. I mean, you're going to find a bigger arm – and, and Justin Herbert, and you're going to find certainly a bigger guy. But in terms of just the intangibles, I mean, look, if Andy Dalton's going to be a starting quarterback for a long time, I mean, I think Joe Burrow's, you know, Andy Dalton times four, and probably, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say he's going to be a, a another Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson has a bigger arm than him, but. I think he brings some of those same intangibles that a lot of people loved about Russell. I think you you hear about that kind of stuff from 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 Joe. We're going to get you on one more quarterback here, Bruce, and then we'll let you run. Um, but maybe the most intriguing evaluation of anybody uh, that you're looking at in this upcoming draft class, I think Jalen Hurts would be near the top of that list when you look at the transformation from him uh, going from Alabama to L- to uh, Oklahoma and. Bruce, 72% passer, 31 touchdowns, six picks, over almost 12 yards uh, an attempt here. I mean, this the, the numbers are outrageous. We've seen out, outrageous numbers from the previous two guys that went number one overall, one Heisman's. Uh, but Jalen Hurts, what 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 took off for him other than just the the scheme? Because he had play. We know he had players, obviously at Alabama, but other than just Lincoln Riley and the scheme, what's what's changed with him? Uh, I think maybe he's maybe he's running it even more. I mean, it's it's a lot like a like the old style uh, Oklahoma offense under Barry Switzer, except it's it's out of a spread uh, more. I am a little more cautious on Jalen as an NFL quarterback prospect. Here's the things that and we did four of his games this year. So I've seen a lot of them, seen a lot of them down the stretch. The numbers, as you said, are really eye popping. But I would take a little bit with a grain of salt. We had them against Iowa State. Iowa State almost came back to win that game. He threw two balls that were going to be pick sixes. They were dropped. Uh, sometimes his his misses of wide open receivers would give me give me some pause. I think if you're an NFL evaluator, and this kind of thing doesn't I don't know blow up in their face in college, but if you hold the ball too long, if you don't anticipate as well as as what we see from some of the guys that are on your level. I think that's a, that's something you're going to have a little bit of more concern from. And I think uh, he's got a good enough arm when he when he when he triggers. I mean, it comes out uh, pretty well. I mean, he's a tough kid. I mean, he's a strong physical kid. I don't know if he is as athletic as Taysom Hill, right? I mean, Taysom Hill is mm-hmm. what is he a four four five guy? I don't know if Jalen's that fast. Jalen might be a four five five yep. guy. Yeah, so. I don't know if, if teams will look at him as saying, okay, maybe he's going to be that, and then we're going to see if we can continue to develop him. But in terms of just being a pure passer, I don't, you know, I'm not sure how much, you know, how much he's really grown from where he was in, in Alabama. I think he's improved. I just don't think it's probably a, a, a dramatic improvement. But look, credit to him. He jumped into a situation where, the last two guys had three years in the system and they had a year to like kind of incubate and learn their teammates and learn the system. He didn't. I mean, he went right into it and he hit the ground running and he's had a lot of success and they have a chance to make the playoff. And that's a credit to him and his toughness and his character and, and, and his, his athleticism and everything. I just wonder about like the anticipation part and some of those things about holding the ball too long as a pro prospect. That's the stuff I think would give people pause. You know, Bruce, I, th- I think those are great points. I think those are great points on Jalen. I do wonder this because you had an opportunity to see Lamar Jackson when he was in college. What kind of impact do you think Lamar Jackson's success in the pros will have not only in the pro game, but in the college game in terms of guys being really confident, taking maybe the best athlete and being okay with him maybe having some short corners a, as a passer because he is so dynamic with the ball in his hands. Yeah, Bucky, I remember we talked about this a little bit on Twitter. And the one thing, and I don't know if people give Lamar even enough credit, because I remember we did a game, and I think people thought I was talking about about Jalen. I was actually talking uh, really about, to be honest, Tyler Huntley. 
who's who's a terrific quarterback and as tough a kid as there is probably playing quarterback. Now Tyler's not as big. Um, and from he doesn't have. I don't think he has as much juice in his arm as Lamar does. He's also. I don't think he's anywhere near as fast as Lamar. I mean, so when you're talking about Lamar, I think you're talking about a rare talent. Now, the part where I do think it will open people's eyes up a little bit is, hey, you know what? If this guy's really good at some of these things, let's – I mean, Lamar Jackson's still only 22 years old, right? I mean, that's the crazy part. I mean, he might be two years younger than Joe Burrow. I mean, and he's been in the league for, for already. This is his second year. So I think when people see if you have somebody who has a really special talent, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or – in this case, Lamar, I think there's things where if you have the right coaching staff that is willing to have some flexibility and say, OK, um, we're not going to give up on a guy because maybe we don't think he he's he's right now can do something at the level of maybe a six year NFL quarterback or even some guy who that's really the only thing that he does well. Um, you know, they're all not going to be Kellen Moore could anticipate great and was super smart. But he didn't have anywhere near the athleticism or arm as some of these other guys. And I think if you if you have somebody and say, look, we like this this kid. He has great work ethic. He has these other you know elite traits. Let's see what let's see where we can go with this. And I, I, I think the Ravens deserve a ton of credit for for showcasing what he does well and having the foresight to go. This kid's going to be special because not just because of his athleticism, but because of his work ethic and. You know, it's not like about what we think he can't do. It's about what can we what can we develop here? And so I think if that message goes back to some other people, um, then then great. And I think like because I think college coaches are already on to that. They already see that if you have and look, I'll use the Big 12 as an example with that old Iowa State defense. When I say old, it's like two years old, like people saw, okay, this is how you should be defending, defending these offenses. So it's kind of an umbrella. And all of a sudden now, well, what, what's the, what's the kind of kryptonite to that? If you're, you're going to run your quarterback more. And so we see like TCU has this terrific young quarterback. You guys probably remember from elite 11, Max Duggan, Iowa kid, really Mm -hmm. athletic. And he's a, he's a difference maker. He's busted off a bunch of runs. Brock Purdy, Iowa state busted off a bunch of runs. I mean, these guys are talented. I don't know if you want to call them dual threat quarterbacks, but I think, if you have quarterbacks who can run, and we're going to see that because that's the answer to these defenses, it gives them something to work with. Absolutely. And I think when we talk about NFL quarterbacks now, if your quarterback can't move, it's hard to be you know, successful with the way the game has evolved and the way the game has changed. And I think that needs to be factored in the evaluation of the high school kids as they're coming to college as well as the college kids as they're going on to the NFL. Last question, Bruce, and then you're out of here. You've been in so many college towns um, not only covering games with Fox, but also going out and visiting with coaches. Most underrated uh, college town uh, out there that you've been, like a, a, a Bruce Feldman favorite out there. What what is it? Uh, I'm, you know what? It's it, Iowa City. Uh, um, it's it's not something I would have thought I would have said six years ago. They treat <laughs> you well. It is a hard place to get to, and it's an even harder place to get out of. But it is a really cool college town. The fans are awesome. They have the best tradition in college football with the wave that happens uh, at the end of the first quarter where it's just like, I mean, if you have kids, you're going to start crying when, when this happens because of the yeah. children's hospital and what it means. And I think those guys, like I have a ton of respect for Kirk Ferentz um, in terms of how he runs the program. I just feel like there is a vibe that you get when you get around there. It's a very underrated college town. Oh, great answer there. I've been there. Uh, been many, many years. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it hasn't changed. Um, all right, Bruce, you're the best, man. <laughs> I appreciate your time, especially during this busy season. Uh, go break some more stories, and I'll catch up with you down the road. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks. All right, Buck. Well, there he is, the uh, the great Bruce Feldman. And not only is he the best at what he does, Buck, he's just a great dude, man. I, I have I have fun anytime something's going on in the college football world. Gets a little spicy. Uh, you know, that's that's my first text message I get, I send out is to Bruce to get his take on things because nobody has their finger on the pulse of college football quite like Bruce. No, I mean he knows everything. Like this guy is really really plugged in. Anyone who follows his his tweets, he is up on the college coaching changes and. He kind of knows 
these guys' background or whatever. So I love just kind of texting them and asking them about things or whatever. We just heard in that conversation, guys, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the yeah. college game. No, it's so true. Um, all right, well, that's going to do it for us today. Fun episode. We will be back uh, in a couple days here. Going to have our buddy uh, Brian Baldinger going to join the show on Thursday. Looking forward to that conversation. Um, Buck doing work over there in England. Appreciate uh, appreciate you. You. I don't know, what time is it over there while we're doing this, Buck? By the way, what time is uh, it? It's only it's only four fifty eight. I mean, so it's not it's not too bad. Okay. It's not too bad. You got to flip got to flip my okay. entire uh, mind when it comes to timing and thinking and all that other stuff but no it's not not, it's not too bad not too late not too early all right well it's great to catch up with you man look forward to seeing you here uh down the road that's going to do it for us today again if you have any questions for us you can drop them in apple Podcasts. leave us a review uh put your question in there we'll do our best to answer it each and every week on our thursday episodes uh appreciate you guys listening and we'll catch you next time right here on move the sticks presented by aarp You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.